Hey, teacher friend, welcome to the Simply Teach podcast, a podcast for teachers by teachers. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson, and each week I bring you a podcast full of practical and helpful ideas from teachers. We all know that teaching is really hard work, and I want this podcast to be a place for you to not only find ideas, but to also find encouragement and motivation. Happy Tuesday, teacher friends, and welcome to episode number 50. Y'all, thank you so much for listening, for telling others, and helping this podcast grow. I could not do it without all the amazing educators who've been on the show or you listeners who tell people about it. To help me celebrate episode number 50, would you mind sharing this podcast with two teacher friends? That's it. The teacher in the room to your right, the teacher in the room to your left. That's it. I would so appreciate it just getting the word out to just a few more people. I want to get to 100 episodes, and I can only do that with your help. Today for episode number 50, I have a new online friend who I'm really excited to share with you, Emily. Emily is a sixth grade English teacher, and I found her on Instagram through a few mutual friends that we have. She's such a bright light in the Instagram world, honest and encouraging posts, but real. And I really enjoy following her, and I was so happy to finally virtually meet and talk to her. And we talk a lot. We went way over the allotted 50 minutes. I usually say it's going to take, um, yeah, we just, we talked. We talked about the Enneagram, which we both love. We talked about how one of her best friends is one of my family's lifelong friends. We talked about behavior management in middle school, student teaching, and how it's different from actually like being the teacher. So if you are a new teacher or going into student teaching, this is going to be a great episode for you. And guys, we even talked about wedding planning because... We recorded this while she was in the middle of planning her wedding. She's already married at this point now that it's live, but we talk about wedding planning. We talk about it all. So I'll stop talking and let you listen in on our conversation. Hey, Emily, and welcome to the Simply Teach podcast. Hey, welcome. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Right off the bat. See Um, well, thanks for having me. (laughs) You're so welcome. That makes me think you saying that. I remember one time, um, I met like my first real boyfriend that Uh I had. I, um, went to his house and his younger sister, but she was like really popular in high school, Mm -hmm. um, introduced herself to me and said like, hi, I'm so-and-so. And then I like said, hi, I'm so-and-so and introduced myself as her name. Oh no. Like, just like. So awkward. Yeah. Like I I, wanted to crawl in my, like, I just wanted to die. I was so embarrassed. Well, I say stuff like that all the time and I'm like, you're like, have a good day. Have a good night. I'm like, I'll say stuff to my students sometimes. And I'm like, I don't even know. Just ignore me. Just, I don't even know. Like when you're, when you're at the restaurant and they're like, enjoy your meal. And you're like, you too. You too. I hope you get to eat at some point today. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. So Emily, I am really looking forward to talking to you today. Um, I've been following you for a while on Instagram and I'm also excited because you're like really good friends with one of my family friends. Really talking about, is it Brittany? No. Is it Meg? I mean, I am friends with Brittany, but Megan, Megan Moody. Yeah. Well, sorry. Sorry, Meg. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you apologizing? Well, I didn't know. Whatever. No. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Megan grew up with my sister, Emily, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, my Emily, and yeah, they're like childhood oh, best friends. I've so, met like, Emily. I've met yeah. your sister. What in the world? Yeah. That's so, such a small world. Yeah. Megan um, and her family lived like, I don't know, a stone's throw away from our house. So her mom is kind of like my uh, my other mom. You know, Yeah. My, her mom's the best. I actually met them at the rodeo last week and I was like, you're the best. Or I, I've met them before, but she's like, I haven't seen you in years. And wow. That's so fun. Yeah. I saw that y'all went to, like, I saw that they were at the rodeo and that you and Megan were at the rodeo. And I was uh-huh. like, I think they were probably together. Yeah. We How do you know Megan? Um, so I was a young life leader in college okay. and, um, Megan was actually in my small group whenever she transferred to my college. And so, uh, which is weird. She's a year older than me in school. And I was like her leader, but really we were just friends and it was the best. And so we really connected then. And then we haven't really connected over the last year or so because she's been student teaching. I was uh-huh. student teaching. I moved back home, whatever. And now she's actually back here. And so we've been hanging out all the time because 
I mean, it's so hard to meet people. I'm in Houston and it's like such a big city and you'd think it'd be easy to meet people your age, but like it's, no. it's really not. <laughs> well, and it's not easy to like get anywhere in Houston. Right. I, mean, I'm and, from, I was born and raised in Houston. Yeah. So I know. <laughs> well, and it's just like, it's like homey, you know, cause it's someone you've yeah. known for like the last five years. Like it is every time we're together, it's just like having a sister here. Cause neither of us, we both have all brothers. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah, it's really fun. I was actually with her, um, on Friday night. So yeah. Yeah. She's the sweetest. I love her. And yeah, then I think Brittany is how I found you because like y'all are always sharing each other stuff on Instagram and like promoting each other. So that's how I found, I think how I found you. Um, Will you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So, okay. I am Emily. Um, I teach sixth grade English. It is my first year of teaching, which has been so fun and such a whirlwind all at the same time. Um, I really love, um, kind of the simple things in life and I love having conversations with people. Um, and I think that it really ties into me as a teacher because I am so relational with my students and um, and it's just, I don't know, it's just cool. And so I, uh, moved home to teach cause I figured that was the best thing to do to save money. And my job was, or my hope was to get a teaching job. Um, in the district that I actually did get a teaching job in. So I've always like throughout my life been in the pursuit of what's next, like been like five steps ahead. And this year I feel like I finally caught up with myself. So it's just been like figuring things out and being like, okay, like, I don't always have to know like what's exactly around the corner. Um, and then it's my first year teaching, like I said, and then I got engaged in November. So it's been like a wild first year to say the least, but it's when all I been see, good. when I see first year teachers engaged, I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh. That is like, those are like two of the most stressful times of yes, a, yeah. person, a girl's life. Yes. Um, and so, yeah. Um, no, I saw that you are an Enneagram too. Mm-hmm. So you're an Enneagram person. I love the Enneagram. People like, oh, my fiance thinks I'm so weird. We've known each other since high school. And I'm like, I think you're a five. And he's like, I, he doesn't understand. And I'm like, I'm so just... he hasn't like figured out what he what is. Well, he knows because we worked at a summer camp um, and we actually got to learn from a girl that learned from... Do you know the book, The Road Back to You? Duh. Yeah. Okay. So the road <laughs> back to you. Um, she was actually learned from like Ian Morgan Crone and Suzanne. Okay. And so we had like all of her notes from learning from her and him. And I mean, it was just the coolest. And we were like out in a summer camp with no service. So I really got to dive deep into the Enneagram a couple years ago. And yeah, I, it really affects like who I am as a person because I'm so much more self-aware and I don't uh-huh. think it's like the end all be all to like personality tests or life or anything, but it's definitely really cool to like see how other people tick. And that's what the Enneagram helps you do. Yeah. It's very eye opening. And, um, so what wing are you? I'm a wing three. Okay. So I'm like the helper, but also the achiever. Mm -hmm. And whenever I'm stressed, people are listening to this. I have no idea of the Enneagram. We're going to be like, what the heck? Um, but whenever I'm stressed, I go to an eight. And so actually one of my friends that had just discovered the Enneagram like three years ago, one of my roommates in college, she was like, Emily, you're an eight. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. Like I have no time to, and I was taking 18 hours of class at the time and I was stressed. And so it's funny now looking back on that, I'm like, Oh my goodness, twos go to eight in stress. And it's just a really cool, if y'all have never heard of the Enneagram, I really recommend recommend the book, the road back to you, or, um, she wrote a second book, the paths between us, just all about relationships. And I haven't read that one yet, but I'm excited for it. That's on my list too. Cause I'm, I'm curious if in it, she addresses like each number combination. Do you know? Yeah, I, I have it sitting right over there. I can <laughs> tell you later, but I think so. I think that's the intention is she's like, this is how a one is with a two and a one is with three. And I hope so, but yeah, I'm excited to read it. And I know, um, I don't know if you follow that Enneagram and coffee Instagram account. Uh, it no, like went, it went viral because this girl, her name is Sarah Jean. Um, she just posts like she just generalized the Instagram and or in Instagram, the Enneagram, and said like, uh, "This is 
the friends characters types or the new girl characters types or, um, and it just went viral, like literally overnight. And so that's a fun Instagram account to follow. If you're just discovering the Instagram or Enneagram, Enneagram, Instagram. (laughs) Okay. I just found it. I like her little, like I'm looking at her. Um, well you can see she has like themes. I mean, not really, but they're like different. Yeah. It's like, I'll link to all of this in the show notes. Yes. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just fun to follow along and I don't believe like wholeheartedly in, you know, the Enneagram. It's not like my roadmap to life, but it's really cool to just like, it's just, it's just fun. (laughs) Yeah. I sent my um, husband to hold on. I'm going to write, I'm going to write this down. So I don't forget it. Um, I found that it was like too difficult to like when I go to write my show notes or Mm -hmm. anything, like for a while, I wasn't taking notes about what we talked about until and I listened to it through editing. And then like, it was just the longest process. So now I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do it yes. in the middle because yes. it's fresh in my mind. Um, no, I just sent my husband to China with, I mean, he went to China and sent him there. He went for work, yeah. but I sent him with um, the road back to you. Yes. And so I'm hoping that when he comes back, he'll oh, like know his number. Yeah. Well, he knows this number because we had to do it for our premarital counseling. Mm. Um, but we did the test and you follow Suzanne Stabile. So yes. you know that she like advocates not no. for doing tests. Yeah. Um, and, but we did, cause that's what our, you know, counselor did with us. And anyways, I'm kind of thinking he's not the number that he tested as. What did he test? But I he tested as a three. Okay. Um, but I think he might be a different number based on what I read in the book. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm curious to see it, like what he comes back with. Yeah, I literally had to have the book out in the car, like on a long road trip once, and like read it to Teddy and be like, "Okay, the, do you resonate with this?" Because he would not <laughs> sit down and read it himself, and he still isn't fully convinced. But I'm like, one day you will come around. But yeah, we have to do the same thing for our premarital counseling. It's just cool to have conversations like that. So the guy that's actually counseling us is our um, a guy that we did, you know. Uh, worked at church camp with. He was our boss basically. And he's like, Teddy, I always thought you were a three. And it's just funny. Cause it just shows that people can't tell you what you are. What you are. What is he? Um, I think I'm pretty sure he's a five wing six. So like the, in, not the individualist, whatever the five is the investigator. He mm-hmm. loves like information and he's very like introspective and, but a six is like the loyalist. And so I think he kind of teeters I don't know. I don't know though. I, I want him to come out and like, I guess like you want for your husband to like take a stand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, well, yeah, I'll link to all the things we just talked yes. about in the show notes. So yeah. people who are like, what they're like skipping the, yeah. like the plus 30 seconds, but they're still talking about I'm this. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So, um, what brought you to middle school? Like, yeah, so I started college as a business major and because my dad told me I would be good at it. And then after a semester, um, my dad was like, or not my dad, but I basically was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I want to do education. And it was actually because I had to take classes like business law and business calculus. And I was never good at math. And I was like, this is just not for me. And so, um, basically I was looking at all the education programs my university offered and I wanted to be diverse in whatever education program I went into. Um, and I didn't want to be just like an education or I didn't, I wanted to major in history or English essentially, but I didn't want to do just one or the other. Cause I would feel, I felt like I would be pigeonholed. So my university actually offered a program that was four through eight English and social studies. And I was like, perfect. And it's funny because looking back on it, like I totally could have gotten an English degree, gotten certified to teach seven to 12, whatever. But it was actually really cool because my university, we did like two blocks and then our student teaching. So I've seen, I interned in sixth grade English. And then the next semester I was in eighth grade history. And then I student taught in seventh grade English. And now I'm back in sixth grade English, actually teaching it. So, um, I love the age that middle schoolers are. And I guess I chose that age group because I had a really hard time in middle school. And I remember I moved in the middle of that, right? Yeah. Right. (laughs) I moved in the middle of seventh grade and from my dad was in the military. So I moved to Virginia from Virginia to California and the standards were really different. And I was like hyper aware of all these like teacher things as a kid because I moved so much that like 
all the schools were different. And so, um, I was, I fell really behind in math, but I was really ahead in English and it just was difficult. And so I guess like looking back on that time in my life and then I moved again, my senior year of high school actually. Um, and that was really difficult to play catch up in Texas because Texas standards are different than everywhere else. Um, and I was like, okay, like teaching, I think is the profession for me. And I was always the kid that played teaching with like, or teacher with like the overhead projector and, um, you know, stuffed animals lined up or like appointed siblings to like, I had like my library organized by genre with like little labels. So yeah, I feel like teaching as I look back on it, little parts of my life all added up to me doing what I'm doing today, but you don't realize it until you're like actually in control of your own, I guess, fate, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, my mom would take me to the like teacher supply store. Mm -hmm. Uh, there was one in Houston and she would take me there. Like, I don't know. She probably only took me a couple of times, but I would get to like buy teacher stuff and then come home and play with it. Yeah. And I remember when I got my job, two things, I got my job and I was like, I'm going to the teaching store. Mm -hmm. So I drove all the way down to where the store was and it wasn't there anymore. I didn't even like think to look and see it. Um, but it was like a 30 or 40 minute drive. And I was so bummed because like, that's where I went yeah. as a little girl, yeah. you know, and I wanted to go get my real teacher stuff. But I remember like being in the classroom, writing on the whiteboard, my first year of teaching and thinking like, I've made it. Like, this is what I've been playing all yes. my life. And I am finally Yes. Yes. And then you're doing it in the actual classroom and you're like, why did I think this was so cool? Like as a kid, (laughs) I don't know if you had that moment, but when I'm like writing on the board, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I used to think this was the coolest thing. I was, had a coaching session with the teacher the other day and she was talking, we were talking about grading papers Mm -hmm. and she was like, you know, every little girl like that wants to be a teacher when they grow up, they want to grade papers. Like that's what they love. You love, you know, pretending to grade papers. And then now that's all I, all I do. And I hate grading papers. Like why do we want to go into teaching to grade papers? And then that's literally what we spend half of our time doing. Right. Oh my gosh. I understand. I have papers right here with me in a grade today because grades are due the Monday we get back from spring break. And I'm like, oh, dang it. So uh, it is what it is though. It's the English, I mean, English teacher. Yeah. English. (laughs) Yeah. I could never teach, um, secondary. I don't think because, well, I could maybe teach like middle school, Uh but like high school, no way, because I couldn't teach English because I don't want to grade papers. Mm -hmm. Math. I don't, like math like sciences is just, no. it's just not an option. And then history, it just seems, I don't know. I'm not a big history person. Yeah. I, my plan was to always move up to high school. And now that I've been in like middle school for a year, I'm like, I just don't think I could ever do that. Cause high school is so high stakes. Like mm-hmm. everything counts towards the GPA that's going to matter. Yeah. Even if it was freshman, like whenever you graduate high school and I'm like, I just can't, I love the relational aspect of teaching high school, but I think like the administrative, like grading meetings, those kind of things, Mm -hmm. I think it'd be too much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I wanted to start out by talking about student teaching. You mentioned that you, um, are your first year teacher. So like student teaching is fresh on your mind. Mm -hmm. Um, because when this is releasing is going to be kind of right around, um, like either teachers getting ready for their very first classroom Mm -hmm. or getting ready to student teach. So, I want to um, talk to talk about student teaching. So let's first start with talking to the student teacher, um, the one who's like getting ready in just a few months to walk into their cooperating teacher's classroom, yeah, I guess is people what they call would call it. Different things. Yeah. Um, what do you say to them? What advice or tips or would you give them? I think to say yes to absolutely everything. Obviously don't overload yourself, but your cooperating teacher or your mentor teacher doesn't know how much you want to do. And so I feel like being really open and just being excited and it's okay to be nervous and scared and share those emotions too. But being like, I will say yes to anything that comes my way because it's all experience and any experience is good experience, whether it's um, having a positive interaction or a negative interaction with a lesson or a student or whatever. And so I think just kind of being prepared to throw yourself into it is the best way to learn because I think with teaching, you can you've learned all the best practices and you probably know better than your mentor teacher, your cooperating teacher, um, 
because depending on how long they've been out of college, but there's always, things are always changing. And so my cooperating teacher was really open to, um, like my ideas to get students engaged or, uh, my ideas for assessment or whatever that maybe were a little bit different than hers. And so that was really interesting because some lessons she'd be like, Hey, like take it, it's yours. And I think because I had told her that like, I'm up for anything. Um, and I had a, she kind of had to like guide me along the way, but it made it less intimidating for her as the mentor teacher as like how much control she could give me. And when I was ready for it, because I was super open with like, Oh, I'm nervous to do this or, Oh, I'd love to do this. And so I think my main piece of advice would be to say yes. And, um, even if you're scared and I think that's just good life advice too, but, um, yeah, yeah. but I think student teaching is such a amazing experience. And I think the more you dive into it and really immerse yourself in the school, like I went to morning duty every Tuesday and opened car doors for kids. And then I would, um, I helped out at a track meet once when I was student teaching. And so, um, I think finding ways to be involved where you're known on the campus, even though, you know, you may feel like you're insignificant or you're just a student teacher, uh, kids see you as their teacher and they're excited to have you there. And so I think just not being afraid to get down on a student's level and get to know them on the very first day or to try your lesson ideas or ask all the questions. That's another piece of advice I would give is ask all the questions because you're allowed to, and it's easy to get the answers whenever you're student teaching. And that sometimes whenever I found in my first year of teaching this year, it's not as easy to get the answers because there's no time. And so, um, yeah, I say, say yes and ask all the questions. <laughs> Well, in coming from a, I had one student teacher in my experience of like being the classroom teacher, mm-hmm. um, like you were saying, letting them know what you're willing to do, because coming from this end, you don't want to put too much on them. You don't want to stress them out. You don't know what other things they have going on. Um, yeah. So just being open to putting yourself out there and, um, yeah, asking a lot of questions and because I would think for the most part, a cooperating teacher has to sign up to do that and yes. be willing to do that. They yes. know what they're getting into, you know? Right. And, and like, for me, I really wanted a student teacher because I feel like I am a good teacher. And so I wanted to share, you know, my knowledge with others and, um, with somebody, you know, who was going to go and, you know, be a teacher, be their own teacher. Yeah. yeah. Um, What do you think was the hardest part about student teaching? I think what was hard for me is, like I said, I'm the kind of person that's always like five steps ahead, five years ahead, five months ahead, just ahead in some way. And for me, student teaching on the campus I was at, I had worked really hard to get on that campus with the hopes that I would get a job there in the fall. And I was, my whole mentality, the whole time I was student teaching was like, you have to get a job here. You have to get a job here. You have to get a job here. So I felt like the whole, it is an interview. Like it really is the whole, however many months that you're there. And ultimately I didn't end up with a job at the school I was student teaching at, but I got the job that I have today because of one of the assistant principals at that school used to work at my current school. So I think just I think I put too, a lot of pressure on myself whenever I was there because I felt like I had to make all the relationships, love the kids, like do all the things and almost like be my own, like independent teacher while also being under, you know, somebody else's wing just because I wanted to impress people. And I think sometimes it's easy to want to look like you have it all together, but it's okay to admit that you don't. And I think that was like the hard balance for my brain to wrap my, it's mind around, you know, while I was student teaching. So I think just the pressure, um, and realizing like everything happens for a reason. And then just to like talk with those things about people, like with people on that campus that you trust. Um, my cooperating teacher was amazing, or even just finding another teacher down the hall or another student teacher that you can kind of process those like job hunting emotions and leaving students. And that was hard too, as I made relationships with all those kids that I had to leave. Right. But luckily Mm -hmm. my brothers go to the high school next door. So I still do get to see a couple of them and it's always super fun. Yeah. Well, and when you were talking about how to make the most of student teaching, I was thinking, about what you just said about being in it, it being an interview. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, even if you're not trying to get a job in that school or that district or anything, you never know who 
you're going to meet mm-hmm. that has a connection yes. elsewhere. Yeah. It's so it's insane. Like actually, um, someone was just messaging me on Instagram today who has a job interview at a new campus in our district. And I know the instructional coach of that new district because she was my cooperating teachers, cooperating teacher. Like, it's just amazing. Especially if you stay in the area that your student teaching in, you'll know so many more people than you'd think mm-hmm. you would know by the end of the experience. I don't know if that's true for everybody, but I know it's definitely true in the area that I'm in. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure it is that you just, I think about the district I worked in while I was teaching. Um, one of the hardest things, like when I would think about like moving to another district, mm-hmm. um, I lived like 30 minutes away from school. So I wanted to get into a school closer, closer to my town. Um, and one of the biggest reasons I didn't want to leave the district was like for all of the people that you meet and know, you know, and those connections, like they're really important. Um, so what about if let's switch gears then a little bit and talk to the teacher who just finished up student teaching? Um, what do you say to them getting ready for their first job or their interview? Yeah, I think that this one, um, is, really difficult. And I think like for me to answer, cause all of those things are so fresh in my mind and I look at how much has changed over the last year. Um, and first thing I would say is like, it's okay to not be perfect. And your job, and this is how I went into my job search is that, um, if you're looking for a job like that, it's only a year. Like if you end up having to take a position you don't really want, like it's only a year or a grade level or whatever. And you can kind of start that process over the following spring. If you're looking to move and once you already have your foot in the door, you know, chances are it's easier to go somewhere else if you don't like your job. And that's what I was afraid of. I was afraid I wouldn't like my job and I luckily I love it, but I know now that like, it's only a year. Like this is not, look at the career you have ahead of you and how long it will be. And like eight or nine months in that time span is not going to be the end of the world. And I think just to have a positive mindset and remember that whenever you're interviewing with people or whenever you're interacting with people on your team, that like, we're all just people. And I walked onto a team this year as a first year teacher, that was an all new team. Like nobody had been on the campus before. And so that was really hard for me too, because I was expecting to jump into my first year and have all the guidance and leadership of veteran teachers. And I had guidance and leadership from veteran teachers, but not people that have been at my campus and know how it worked. And so I think just being open-minded and not letting your expectations get you down sometimes, because I think as a first year teacher, you think you have this picture in your head that you've probably had your whole life of how things are going to go. And it just doesn't go that way all the time. Um, which is so good. And also can be a little frustrating at times too. How, when did you get hired? So I got hired in April while I was so like so early. Yeah. Okay. So that's not the case for most people. No. And I could give all the advice in the world about, you know, the job hunt. But what I did is I emailed principals, um, the Monday after spring break, that was what I did. So if you're, I guess if you're student teaching in the fall or you're looking for a job for the spring, like you could do it, um, like right before Thanksgiving or whatever. Like I had about two months left in my student teaching and I had just been really, you know, I asked what the process looked like. And my cooperating teacher was like, this is the timeline. She also happened to be the department chair. And she's like, I would email principals the Monday after spring break. So it's like fresh in their inbox. So I did, and I didn't hear back from a lot of schools. Um, and a lot of people only apply through the district, but what I did is I applied to the district and I emailed principals, letting them know I researched the different campuses and I was like, I would love to be on your campus for X, Y, Z reasons and my cover letter. And I think that really helped me. So if I have one piece of advice going into job interviews, I would say my goal was to not go to the big job fair, which there's nothing wrong with that. I just knew that was going to be an overwhelming experience. And I really believed that I could get a job before job fair. And so by being ahead of the game. uh, So anyway, I just, I really think emailing principals is such an amazing way to get into a school that you maybe thought that you wouldn't get into because sometimes they have positions there that weren't even posted online, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so if somebody's listening right now, I just want to say like, as a new teacher, 
you may not get hired until like August 25th. Right. And that's, you know, if if you're a teacher in America, you know, where the, or in the United States, I guess, where, um, school doesn't start, you know, till the end of August, like that's very highly likely. Um, I think people get really like my sister had trouble like finding a job and just, it, it wasn't until like last minute that she got a job because, you have to think of it as like a, a domino effect. Like the school can't hire somebody or even post that they're hiring for somebody until one of their teachers leaves, but that teacher can't leave until they get a job Mm -hmm. at another school. But that school can't, you know, it's like this. Yes. It's anger and it's hard and it's frustrating. Um, because you're like, okay, I need a job. But yeah, don't be discouraged no. if it's middle of July, no. August, and, and you yes, don't have a job. And I am, I'm such a rare case, I feel like, in that sense, because I specifically moved to an area that I knew would be growing positions. And it's really crazy, actually, because the school I'm at now, a new campus is opening and we're losing 700 kids next year. And so my whole team that was new last year, me and one other person are the only surviving people, which is weird because I'm in there with experienced teachers, but it's because of... Uh, the district that I'm in is constantly growing and schools are gaining positions and losing positions. And I Mm -hmm. am hoping for all the teachers that are hoping to stay or the people that are coming to our school, that people were honest. I I feel like most schools probably send out some kind of form that say, what are your intentions for the next year? And Mm -hmm. I hope that people are honest on those forms because it it does happen to where somebody doesn't decide they're not going to be there next year until June or July. And luckily campuses are ready to call you in, but just be patient, I guess, with the process because I could never have imagined that I would have landed a job in April, which was also stressful because it felt like it was so soon. But I mean, obviously that's best case scenario in everyone. Yeah, did you struggle with any doubt after you got that? Yes. Yes. Because it was only my second interview and I interviewed with the school I have student teaching at like four days later. And my school that I'm at today told me I had a week basically until the transfer list like cleared out and they would be able to like officially hire me. So they offered it to me knowing that they were going to have the position, but they had to wait until all the lists were cleared before they could hire me. So it was a lot of like faith that once I accepted the job and being like, okay, I'm not going to look anymore because schools were still reaching out, asking to interview or whatever. And I had to really trust that once I accept the job on April 6th or whatever, that, uh, I was going to get that official call from HR offering me the position and signing my contract. And that didn't happen y'all until May like 20th. So yeah. And so I was like writing on this idea that I had a job, but obviously like anything could have happened and they could have took that position out from under me like that. So, and that's the thing that I'm was like mentioning is like, you know, you can say as a, as a, an employee teacher of, you know, Smith elementary, I can say, I'm not coming back next year. I'm planning on moving, right. but if I never get that job and I like, they can't post my position until like it's officially I, turn official. my, I turn in my resignation right. letter, you know? And so like when I uh, told my principal that I was leaving because I was moving uh, this year to Germany, um, she like kept being like, Hey, can you send me your resignation letter? Hey, can you send me your resignation letter? Because she wanted to get on that, like, yes. you know, right. get the cream of the yes. crop teachers that were applying. Yes. And know that, yeah, I just like one last thing on this, like know that if you get hired in July or August or June, like it doesn't mean that you're any less of a teacher. It's just, and because principals don't want to be in that situation either. Everyone wants to hire as soon as possible and have their staff complete and have their little family complete. And it's stressful on all accounts. So just know that like, you're not any less if you get hired later in the school year than if you get hired in March or February, like some people do. Right. Yeah. Uh, what was the biggest shock going into the classroom from student teaching? Like what, 
Yes. Did you, were you not expecting? I wasn't expecting this answer was so easy for me. It's, I wasn't expecting all of the paperwork that comes with teaching and all of the administrative, like, obviously I knew I had to put in grades and my cooperating teacher when I was in teaching was really open with me about like 504 paperwork and spend paperwork and blah, 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 and IEPs. But really like being in the classroom and being like, this kid has this accommodation and this kid doesn't get this, but this kid can't take too much time. It's just Think you're remembering every single kid's little quirks because I have 150 kids. It's not like I just have like 30. Um, is mm-hmm. has been not a challenge. You really get the hang of it quickly. But then other and whatever dr- droning on. But then also the um just the amount of meetings and this has to be filled out by this time. And especially in secondary, I feel like it's just multiplied because of the number of kids there are. And so, yeah, I think I've always said since like August, since I got into the swing of things, I was like, if I could just teach, that'd be awesome. Or if I could just, oh, do the, if sure. I could just do the administrative stuff, like I'm all for it, but doing yeah. them both together. Like I have, uh, we just finished up shark tank, over the last week before spring break. And I haven't been able to finish grading all their presentations because they had to give the presentations and you just end up with a lot of stuff because there's also a million things going on towards the end of the school year. And I mean, you know how it is, but yeah. So you just don't, I don't think I really realized that whenever I was student teaching because you're not, you're not fully in it yet. You know, like you're not the one that's responsible. So it doesn't matter as Mm -hmm. much, but it really does matter whenever you're an actual teacher. Yeah. And so like, just for somebody listening, if they're curious what this kind of paperwork is, you mentioned like 504 Mm -hmm. and IEP kind Mm -hmm. of paperwork. So like if a kid has a special accommodation, then you have to keep that in your mind, what they need. Um, and do you have RTI in secondary? Yeah, we do. Okay. So RTI response to intervention and that like, Oh, our district got made me so mad my last year. Um, basically we had to like update paperwork for the kids every two weeks for literally every kid that was in RTI, even if they were receiving intervention outside of the classroom Mm -hmm. and that person was doing paperwork, we also had to do paperwork. And and it's just, it is now we're probably scaring people away (laughs) from teaching, but it's a lot. Um, and so that's where like routines come into play and, um, you know, time management comes into play. I remember one of the biggest things that was a shock to me starting out was the committees that you had to be on Mm. and vertical teams. I didn't know about that. And then I show up to my first faculty meeting and they're like, okay, you need to, you know, you're on your grade level team and then you need to pick a committee to be on and you need to pick a vertical team. And I was in grad school at the same time too. So I was like, yeah, I don't understand. Yeah. And it is not, you really do figure it out. And I think that it's, I've always think about like when I have kids one day, I'm going to have it like down pat. Like I can watch one kid all day long, like, come on. So yeah, I just think, I mean, it's not unbearable, but I think of like people in the business world, like my fiance is an accountant. And he, uh, just doing all the things that he does, but he like, it's the same thing. And I think with teaching, it always looks different. Yeah, it does each day. Yeah. You have to be very flexible and very ready for change and what is what I wanted. Uh, yeah, you signed up for it, but, but, but we think going into teaching, it's what it was like when we were playing school as little girls. Yes. Um, you know, with our dolls that listen and the papers that they all made, you know, A's on and whatever. Um, you have a blog post on, will you tell us a little bit? I know that you have a blog and I want to talk about your blog, but I know that you've got a specific post to students. Yes. Yeah. I have a blog that was like a recent thing in this year too. Like why? Like I got engaged. I started teaching. I decided to make a blog. Like what? And so, um, I don't post to, I'm hope I'm excited for the summer. Cause that's when I'm really planning to like get down with the blog action. But, um, I have a post up called, uh, it's like the 10 things every student teacher needs to know. And I go pretty in depth in that blog post of 10 things that I wish I knew as a student teacher, because I just feel like for student teaching, there's all the resources out there for teachers, but not a lot of things that speak to specifically student teaching. And I joined teacher Instagram and I was like looking for the people that were student teaching and I couldn't find any. And 
so, um, yeah, I wrote that blog post and it's on my blog, simply Emily E blog.com. And you can, it's really easy. I think it's like on the front page. Um, and yeah. And then I also made a Facebook group to kind of correspond, uh, for student teachers and that's called simply student teaching. And there's about a hundred people in there and they talk all the time about, you know, everything from, I'm trying to plan, plan a lesson or I know a lot of, uh, states around the country, you have to do this thing called ed TPA. And so they talk a lot about that. And it's just a community of people like student teaching on the same boat or in college or veteran teachers giving advice. Um, and that's been a really cool thing over the last year that I wasn't expecting, but it's really cool to like, I didn't do anything but facilitate it, but just like people getting support uh, mm-hmm. and what they're going through. Cause I feel like student teaching can also be pretty isolating and that's something you don't realize, especially if you're the only student teacher on your campus. So uh, yeah, I don't know. So I, that blog post, um, is a lot of my heart behind why I want to help student teachers and, um, it's up on the blog. you know about prep for the first day, a free three-day challenge that I am hosting over on my website, The Simply Organized Teacher. In the course of three days, you will get simple, actionable steps to getting prepared for the first day of school. Guys, it's coming up soon and we need to be prepared. We're going to go over how to set up your classroom in an organized way. I'll share with you a checklist of things needed for the first day, as well as encourage you as you begin a new year with organization and management tips that I think every teacher needs prior to the first day. Join me by signing up at the simplyorganizedteacher.com slash three day challenge. I'll see you over there. Okay, so I want to talk next about you being a secondary teacher and engagement strategies you have for your kids, because I would imagine, well, I don't know, maybe sixth graders are a little bit more engaged just because they're like excited to be there. But um, I can ima- I can imagine that, you know, middle school is kind of a hard place to get that engagement. From. Yeah, I think... I first, whenever I was in student teaching, um, I discovered the teacher Instagram community and I saw people like Josie and maniacs in the middle. Um, and I like Michelle Ferrey, I was actually just listening to your episode with her today. Um, and talking engagement and I just see people doing crazy wild things and, uh, the full classroom transformations and whatever. And I am that teacher, but I'm also not that teacher. Like I'm that teacher when I want to be, but I'm also the teacher that's like very chill and relaxed and kids, um, know that I am patient and, um, not soft-spoken, but I tell it like it is. And so I have kind of had to ride that balance. And I have noticed that whenever I am not engaged in a lesson, like my kids are not engaged. So there's times where our team will plan things and I won't take the time to like put my own spin on it and I'll just like teach it. And then it's like, crickets. Right. And then I'm like, well, remember we did this or in the real world, you have to do this. So I always have noticed that my kids are way more engaged in sixth grade, especially by this point in the year where they're pretty much seventh graders. Um, if I have tie a real world application to it, like we are doing persuasion and we just, we do have to write a persuasive paper whenever we get back from spring break. But, uh, we did shark tank to introduce that to them. And they, a lot of them have seen shark tank or if they hadn't, we showed them episodes and they were really into it. And so that was the real world, real world application for why it's important to be able to persuade people to do things uh, because these people are talking millions of dollars, right? And they came up with a product and you have to persuade them. So that was really fun. And so I think that um, I know that when my kids aren't engaged or if I'm not engaged in something, they're not engaged in it. And also um, I need to take the time to figure out how I'm going to teach things for me. Like I think a lot of times people think they can buy something on teachers pay teachers. And a lot of times it works like right off the bat. But if I don't take the time and like 
immerse myself in whatever that is before I go teach it. Like the kids aren't into it. And also relationships is a huge thing for engagement for me. Um, I know if I notice a kid isn't engaged, that's usually engaged or I have kids that are just never engaged. I can be like, Hey, like I know you respect me as a teacher and because of the way that you act or the conversations that we have outside of class. So I really need you to be here with me for this because I wouldn't be teaching it to you if it didn't matter. And so I think the cool thing about junior high and why I like it is because you can start to have those conversations with like, I'm not teaching you things because they don't matter. And, uh, that has really helped me engage my students and just being real with them. I think they just like know that I am like the real honest teacher. I don't sugarcoat things. I don't teach them things that don't matter. Or sometimes if it is something silly, I'm like, okay, this is silly, but like you need to know it for X, Y, Z reason. Um, and the bottom line in junior high is in English, they basically learn the same thing every year. They just go deeper. And so I'm just scratching the surface with them for English. And I'm like, you just wait. And next year you're going to go even deeper into this. And I think poetry, um, was something that I really struggled with because I wasn't that comfortable teaching poetry this year, but I made like a poetry cafe and kind of did a mini room transformation with it. And those things still excite kids. Um, and so finding the times where I can do something special for them, even just in a little way where I teaching poetry via like a menu instead of like a worksheet or like, uh, making them take notes, they get more excited about that. So I think the engagement doesn't like the things that engage students never changes. Like it's truly like, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't change, uh, between kindergarten and sixth grade. Like they still get excited about the little things like a read aloud or whatever, you know? Right. You said a few things that I wanted to comment on. The first one was about the kids buying it. If you are truly engaged in it and you truly, you were talking about, um, getting something off teachers, mm-hmm. hit teachers. And unless you like really delve into it, I remember we had, are you familiar with Debbie Diller? Mm-hmm. Okay. She's a, I don't even know like what her title is, but she is an author and she travels and teaches and speaks about, um, guided reading mainly, I would say is like her, her main area of focus. Um, but we, our campus and district hired her while I was still working there. And I remember she came in and uh, tried to get us to think differently about how to plan because we were at the time planning where like I planned math, that teacher planned science, that teacher planned language arts. I know that looks different for you because, but, um, and then we would just be like, Oh, here's what you're teaching. Here's what you're teaching. Oh, thanks for what I'm teaching. Right. And she said, I can walk into any classroom and tell who, like, I can go into a grade level of classrooms that are all teaching language arts at the same time. I can walk into every classroom and I can tell who, who play actually planned the lesson and who's teaching to the plans. And so she introduced to us this new way to lesson plan. And I think I have something on my blog, um, about it that I can link to. And I remember it being so transformative because, that planning, that day-to-day calendaring where you're saying like, I'm going to do this and this and this isn't really helpful unless you took the time to really delve into the standards Mm -hmm. and understanding what it is that your kids are supposed to be doing. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I love TPT and I have nothing against it, but I have found like, kind of like me, whenever my team plans something too, we do the same thing sometimes where it's like, you're doing this part of the lesson and you're doing this part of this unit and blah, blah, blah. But if I don't really look at it and be like, okay, how does this fit my students? they they're lost or they'll be like, well, we've never talked about this before. And I'm like, Oh shoot. Like another teacher doesn't use that word. And I use this mm-hmm. word instead. And so, um, I think those little things like they, my sixth graders really thrive when things are authentic. And I think it's because they're getting to that point in life where they understand when things are like real and not real or when someone's taking the time to do things and whatever. And so I think that whenever things like, even if it's not the most authentic thing, like, even if it was something borrowed or whatever from me, I really have to like come over and be like, okay, like this is how I'm going to use it for my kids and being able to sit and explain it. Cause there's nothing worse. And I've had this happen. And I think every teacher has where you take something that is given <laughs> to you. And then a kid has a question about it and you haven't even really looked at it. And you're like, 
wait, like, give me a second. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and, so, yeah. and there's days where that happens. And I think just being real with them, like, Oh, I did not even notice that. Like, thank you for telling me, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the other thing you said was you talked about like classroom transformations and you said, I am that teacher, but sometimes mm-hmm. I'm not. I think that's also good for teachers to hear because I think in this teacher Instagram world, seeing all the transformations in all the like Pinterest perfect classrooms can be really discouraging. And if you're listening in a classroom transformation is something that you're not interested in, like give yourself the grace to be like, this is not my Mm -hmm. gift. This is not something I've, you know, prioritize, but this is, you know, I'm really good at digging into the lesson plans and creating, like you don't have to do those big excessive Instagram worthy yeah. things in order to be a impactful teacher. No, and I think, um, on the flip side of that too, is you don't have to do a full out classroom transformation to, uh, make a lesson stick. You could just add something little to it. So like I was teaching poetry and I did, I put all of our terms and stuff in the form of a menu. Like we were at a cafe and I put like, I threw tablecloths out from the dollar store, but it wasn't like a full classroom transformation. Like Mm -hmm. you would see, um, on Instagram and those kind of things inspire me, but I also am really realistic. And I'm like, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm not going to have the time for that. Or my kids, um, don't need this right now in this moment. Like we really need to get some of the content down. And I think that's the thing too, is this perfect Instagram world of hundred percent engagement and beautiful classrooms and, um, amazing transformations, uh, every single week, you know, in the classroom, like teachers direct teach, like notes are given, like this is not everyday classroom stuff. So if you're mm-hmm. um, like a, in school on here and you've seen teachers that do these crazy things, like that's like maybe once a unit, like that's not every single day, real classroom life. And so mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, still thriving in your routines and what's comfortable for you is, uh, and then doing exciting things every once in a while is perfectly fine. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just think that that needs to be spoken into the world because I think I had this expectation that I was going to go in my first year of teaching and like do those things. And I have sort of done those things sometimes, but I also really love like the more, um, everyday days of teaching, you know, where things are just totally routine and comfortable and kids know what to expect. And I know what to expect. Cause every time you do a big classroom transformation like that, like you have to change expectations a little bit for the day and explain things and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, it's fun to go all out like that, but that, that is exhausting. Just letting you know. And it's well, and I would say, go ahead. Oh, no, I was go. just going to say it's exhausting. Um, and in the best mm-hmm. way, like you'll get home that night and be like, that was awesome. But it's not, it's not, there's a lot of hard work that goes into those things behind the scenes. Which is why I think you need to ask yourself if you're wanting to do a classroom transformation or, um, some big woo mm-hmm. thing, you need to ask yourself, who am I doing mm-hmm. this for? Am I doing it for my kids? Am I doing it for myself? Am I doing it for my Instagram page? Because I think if you, I think if you can answer that, honestly, then that will kind of direct you. If right. It's worth and it or I not. think totally, if you, I know, um, five foot one teacher is really good about preaching this, that, if it, you have to start with the standard first, whenever you think you're going to do something really creative in the classroom, because if it's not based in a standard and something that they have to learn, like there's no, it has no purpose. And so, um, I really love the book kids deserve it by Todd Nessaloni. He actually teaches a couple, um, or not teaches. He's a principal at a school, a couple hours away from here. And he has a, quite a few books out there. And one is actually made up of all the teachers that work at his school. And he came to speak to us this year and he just talks about how like meeting kids where they're at. And I think that's the heart behind classroom transformations and the heart behind me as a teacher too, is I want to meet kids where they're at and help them grow from there. And sometimes it takes doing super exciting things. And some days it is just the everyday things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. I want to totally change yes. gears before we wrap up. You, when this goes live, you will already mm-hmm. be married because you're getting married in May. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but right now you're mm-hmm. not married, you're engaged and your wedding planning. So I'm curious if you have any thoughts or anything you've done in your wedding planning while teaching in your first year of teaching that you would share. I, I mean, I'm 
am sure you, like, I have plenty of listeners that are in this, yes. like, you know, in the same yes. scenario right now. Um, I think that it's going to be so fun when it's all over. <laughs> No, it's so fun right now, but it is just a lot to think about. And I am currently living with my parents. And so every time I feel like I sit down on the couch, this is going to be so funny listening back to you later. But every time I sit down on the couch to like watch The Voice with my family or Survivor or whatever our shows are, and my mom's like, so this, and I'm like, Mom, like, I really, oh, like, I don't want to talk about the wedding right now. This is my one night a week to like sit. And she, you know, my mom loves doing that kind of stuff. And so that's been definitely interesting to figure out. And also my team is really excited for my wedding. So every time we sit down at lunch, they're always like, you know, where are you at in the process? I'm like, same places yesterday. Um, but I think it's going to be really fun and it's been fun to kind of get to, my kids are really excited, even though I'm getting married after the school year is over. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just fun to kind of be going through all of this craziness at once. Um, and I wouldn't have wanted to drag it out or do it any other way than I'm doing it right now, but it is interesting because I've noticed that I have more like a business mindset with things now. I'm like, I need to be really on top of my grading so that I can leave at 410 every day when I'm allowed to leave so that I can give my brain a break so that I can go home and I can figure out our invitations. And then, uh, tomorrow we're scheduled to talk about this. Like my brain has turned to work very like business-like where I'm like, I need to have a sit down meeting Uh where the every single night isn't just like something little that's all going to add up to something, if that makes sense. But yeah, I don't know. What's your advice? Cause you did the same thing. I did, um, but not Mm-mm. in my first year of teaching. <laughs> um, golly. Well, I think involving your kids is really fun. I, I did that with mine too. And, you know, just like little things of like, like, I think I showed them a picture of my wedding dress before, you know, like before I yeah. obviously got married and, you know, little things to make them feel like they mm-hmm. were a part of it. Um, yeah, I would agree with, I I definitely had to be much more efficient with my time. Um, I though we got married in Mm -hmm. August. So I did have like, I had summer to, you know, kind of do some of those appointments Uh and whatnot. Um, okay. So I asked you to prep for this question, (laughs) but I didn't prep for this question. I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, I, probably did do a little bit of wedding planning. Oh, a hundred percent. Like, you know, any person is going to do some of that while yeah. they're at work. So why wouldn't a teacher, yeah. you know? Um, so our principals, if you're listening, <laughs> we didn't do no, any planning. None. Then, none. <laughs> um, oh, I'm trying to think. Okay. One thing, you know, you might already be like, done with this. Have you done your wedding registry? Yeah, but it wasn't, it was, we didn't do the whole, like go into the store experience. Uh We like just did everything online from the comfort of the couch. What company, like, what did you, did you do different? So I, we have our wedding website set up through the knot and I don't know if you're going to put this in here, but, uh, and so we, um, with it. We did Target because that's accessible to everybody. Uh-huh. And then we did, I think, like our dishes at Pottery Barn. And uh, I really want this specific mixer from Williams-Sonoma. And I'm probably not going to get it. My mom was like, register for it anyway. Uh, and then... Is it like a it's kitchen? It's a kitchen, but it's it like a limited edition okay. one with like a ceramic bowl. <laughs> and okay. So it's just pretty. And then... Uh, the last place we registered is just um, anthropology. So the knot like syncs all of your mm-hmm. registries up together. And so anthropology, all I registered on there was the giant volcano candle. I don't know if you've ever smelled mm-hmm. the volcano Capri Blue scent. I, I have heard, like, I feel like anytime, anytime I listen to a podcast and they're like, what are you like? Do you listen to Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy? I love Jamie Ivy. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I've like been to too many of her events and yeah. Um, okay. The coolest thing happened to me. Um, not to me, to my friend. So I went to her last happy hour Mm -hmm. live event and it was in, 
it was in like September or October. It was literally the week uh-huh. that we were moving to Germany. Like I went on Saturday night and then that Thursday yeah. we were getting yeah. on a plane. Yeah. And, um, I was talking to her and I was like, yeah, this is my last weekend. I'm moving to Germany here or Germany this week, whatever. Well, one of her guests that she has up on the show, um, was like, she's a travel blog, mix and match mama. Shay oh Schultz, yeah. You know? Okay. So she like has a travel uh-huh. agency, I guess. And so Jamie was like, well, where's your favorite place that you've ever traveled? And she said, well, I think it's probably Germany. And Jamie goes, really? There's a girl here tonight yeah. moving there this week. And I was oh, like, that's so that's cool. Me. Okay. So whatever. Like I geeked out about that. Cause she called me out on the stage. Then my, one of my really good friends went to, uh, like two yeah. weeks ago, went to this event that she <coughs> actually in Enneagram, yeah. yes. um, session thing. Yes. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> um, so Shelly went to the Enneagram with Suzanne Stabile and Jamie Ivy and whatever, and went up to like go, she has been to a live event with me. Yeah. Shelly has. So she's met Jamie before. So she went up and was like, Hey, I know you probably don't remember me, but my friend Kelly, we met you. And, uh, she's the one who introduced me to the Enneagram, but she's living in Germany now. And Jamie goes, Oh, wasn't she at the last happy hour live event? <laughs> <laughs> I died. That's amazing. I, died. I love, I've never made it out to a happy hour live and I'm sad because like <laughs> I, you go. know, went to college in the whole country. And so now yeah. all these people if listening are probably like, the hill country, Texas, y'all. Um, but, and so wine country, yeah, wine I never area. made it out to one and I'm so sad because I went to Austin stone and like was very a part of all of that, but I never made it to a happy hour. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I can, I know I need to um, register like yeah. first time. I think at the time I was in college though, and I just didn't have money and I was like, no, I but, can't yeah, afford to do that. But now, now yeah. I will go. <laughs> yeah. So I don't even know how I got off onto that. We're talking about wedding. Oh, the Capri Blue candle. Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. We're, we're circling back. Um, yeah, I feel like any podcast I listen to where they're like, "What are you loving?" and they're like, "A candle." Have you heard Capri of the? Blue it's candle. That candle. I wasn't a believer until I won one actually at a a secret or like a favorite things Christmas party. Someone brought it as one of their favorite uh-huh. things, and I they traded around at the end. It was with people at my school, and someone brought like their favorite mascara, and someone brought like their favorite scrubber to do the dishes with, and someone that's such well, a fun. It was party so idea. fun. You bring like three of your favorite things, and then you draw names and whoever you draw gets your things. Um, and so anyway that we did it like white elephant at the end where people were able to trade and steal and somebody like literally I was holding a mascara that was like $5 from Walgreens. And I was like, Hey, like, can I have that candle? And they were like, what's that mascara? And I like showed it. And then they were like, yeah, we'll switch. I was like, it's like a $15 candle. Thank you so much. I think the limit was like $5 too. And somebody just went above uh-huh. and beyond and bought, brought three of these candles. Uh, so now yeah. I'm actually burning it right now. It smells so good in here. It smells like anthropology. I don't think we have anthropology over here. I don't think I can no. get any of those. No, next soon. time you come back yeah. to the States. Yeah. But okay. So I used a company and I actually like just recently became an affiliate for them. So I'll probably like, at some point promote this on the podcast, but, um, Zola, Zola? I have a registry through Zola. Yeah. Okay. So what I loved about Zola, if anybody's getting married, I would highly recommend Zola because, um, they let you have your registry and you can go to target and anthropology and put everything on there. But they also have like, um, almost kind of like an Amazon Mm -hmm. where you can go in and search by list. I want things for my kitchen, whatever, put it on there. Um, you make your registry on there, but what's so cool about it is people can give, and maybe they can do this on the not too. I don't know. Um, partial, like we wanted a KitchenAid mixer, uh-huh. but those are like $350. You know, most people are not going to just be like here, yeah. but I had people like this couple gave $50 to this and this group of friends went in and put a hundred dollars towards it. So we got our KitchenAid mixer, but no one person yes. bought it. Oh, that's incredible. That I didn't sense? realize that Zola did that. Yeah. And then at the end, um, like we had one gift that got gifted to us like three times. Nobody like said we didn't, we, you know, chose that for them. So we got this one thing three times. And, um, so we were able, it was like a hundred dollars. 
So we got it, you know, three times, but they don't ship it to you until after the wedding. So we never like physically got the product. So we could basically like go on there and select, we don't want this product. We want cash instead. That's awesome. And yeah. So then we bought this like really, really nice set of knives. I would never pay this much money for knives, but because it was money that was like from gifts that were, you know, double gifted to us or people can just put money on there. Um, we got a really nice set of that's incredible. Knives. I didn't realize um, that you could do that. Cause whenever I, we made our wedding, this is probably so boring, but whenever we use the knot, they, uh, we went through them because of the RSVP. Like we did our RSVPs online yes, and I know you can I did do the wedding website with Zola. Now I've heard Zola on a lot of podcasts and I've heard it's amazing. So I made a registry with them actually, but I haven't, we haven't sent out anything. So maybe I'll hop back on and figure that out before we start sending stuff out because that's really cool. Look into it. And yeah, you said, um, the thing about online RSVP, we did the same thing. I know this, like neither of these tips are related to being a teacher and planning a wedding, but, um, we did, uh, online RSVP and it was really like it saved well, a lot of money in stamps thing, I was and like, you're really burning like $300 in stamps. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, there's our yes. wedding advice for any brides yes, to be yes. out there. Oh, one last one. And then I'll be done. There's a podcast called from ring to veil. Okay. Podcast, and they, and it's a wedding planning I've podcast. I've never heard of that. that. pretty good. So yeah. Yeah. It was good. I liked it. Okay. So will you wrap up and tell us where we can yes, find you? You can find me on Instagram at simply Emily E all together. No underscores or anything like that. And then on Facebook, I'm also simply Emily E. And then my blog is simply Emily E blog.com. So like I said, hoping to get more into the swing of things with blogging um, here in the coming months, probably when this comes out, I'll have a lot more blog posts mm-hmm. up. And then uh, on Instagram, I'm always storying the most random things. So you can come hang out with me on there. <laughs> and then also, um, I post just life and style and teaching and, uh, all of that. Yay. Fun. Well, I will link to all of that. And thank you so much for coming on and yes. chatting with us and talking about yes. teaching and sharing ideas. I know that it will be helpful to some of yes, those new and teachers out there. Yes, thank you for having me. Start. When I got your email, I was like, oh my goodness, is this real life? Because I listened to your show. So, Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Hey. I really hope that you enjoyed listening in on our chat. It really felt like two friends just talking. And that's what I love about this podcasting thing. A lot of times I get on a call with a teacher. I mean, every time I get on a call with a teacher and I'm nervous and anxious, but by like 15 minutes in, I'm just talking teacher to teacher, sometimes even friend to friend, talking about the fun parts of teaching, the hard parts of teaching and all the other stuff in between like wedding planning and Enneagram and all the things that Emily and I talked about today. We both shared a lot of stuff, not all of it related to teaching, but again, I hope you enjoyed it and at least got some fun laughs out of it. All the links to this week's episode are going to be on the show notes. So make sure to head there to learn more about the road back to you book. We mentioned read her blog on 10 things student teachers should know, check out the podcast I mentioned for wedding planning. All of it will be over on the simply under podcast for this week's episode. Also y'all don't forget the kickstart your school year course launched last week and it's now available for purchase. If you are looking for guidance as you prep for this upcoming school year, head to my website now. All the info you need will be there, and I would love to join you on your journey of kickstarting your year. As always, I would so appreciate it if you could head over to iTunes to rate and review the podcast, and I will be back here next week to share with you tips on unpacking your classroom. I know it's only July, and in the U.S., y'all are deep into summer and probably not having many thoughts about the new school year, but it's never too early to get some ideas and tips to help you unpack in an organized way. I'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Simply Teach. Remember all the show notes, links to things we talked about, and access to the Simply Organized Teacher email list is all over my website, thesimplyorganizedteacher.com. Also, you can find me on Instagram at thesimplyorganizedteacher. Guys, I want to be your social media friend. I want to interact with you, so come find me. The fun music you're listening to, that's provided by hooksounds.com.